0: Lord, thank you again for this podcast, for the ability to share what we're sharing, what you've done in my life, what I've accomplished to be able to give it away, to inspire, to build up other people, people that know me, people that I've not even met yet. Lord, I just want to thank you for this, for being able to do this, and also, Lord, for the healing and the rejuvenation that sharing these messages offers me. Thank you, Lord. What's up, nerds? Got, um... It's a little bit of a fire starter. A little bit of how I fucked up here today. So, buckle in. You have little faith. There was a storm. It was raging. The waves were high. Everyone on the boat was terrified. The lightning, the thunder, the wind. And out, through the mist of the waves and the clouds of the storm, they saw him standing on the waves. And Peter's heart leapt with pride, with joy, With expectation and for adventure because he knew who was out there standing on the waves. He cries out over the storm, Lord, if that is you, tell me and I will come to you on the water. And Jesus said, come on then. And Peter hopped out of the boat standing on the water. And he walked toward Jesus. But he took his eyes off of Jesus. And around him he saw the wind. He saw the waves. He looked at his feet. He was standing on water. He became afraid. And he listened to that fear. He forgot who was in front of him. And he started to sink. And he cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out and caught Peter before Peter went under the water and drowned. And as Jesus was pulling him up with his eyes of fire, in a tone of granite, he said, you of little faith, why did you doubt me? We're doing this episode today as a follow-up to The Secret Sauce. Like I told you, it's a bit of a how I fucked up because this is something that I had to learn the very hard way. This is something that, until I learned it, it cost me tremendously in life. And it's also a fire starter because I know some of you have little faith and you cannot... Proceed with it. See, I was like Peter. I was prone to aggression. I wanted a venture. I wanted things to happen. I knew who Jesus was and I believed him. Then when Jesus called me out beyond the boundaries of my comfort zone, beyond the boundaries of what made sense, what I believed was possible. I didn't believe that I was forgiven. I didn't believe that I was a new man. Because I didn't believe it, I didn't understand it. Because I didn't understand it, I could not apply it to my life. This opened up a world of hurt and letdown for me. You know, Peter. Got out of the boat. He was the only one of all of the disciples that got out of the boat. He's the one that walked on water toward Jesus just because he knew it was Jesus. He didn't sit down and pray, Lord, give me the strength, give me the power. He didn't say, well, Lord, if you want me to do this, then give me a sign and I will. No, he had faith. He had strong faith enough to jump out of a boat in the middle of torrential downpour and raging winds and waves and walk toward his king. But once he was out there, it changed. Once he was out there, he was he was not in safe harbor, literally and figuratively. He was in the danger zone. And when he looked at the wind and when he looked at the waves, that became the thing that he believed in, not the man in front of him. Just like for us, we get out on this adventure in this life and we look at our past just like Peter looked at the waves. We look at our shortcomings, just like Peter looked at the waves. We look at what other people have that we don't have. We look at where we're screwing up and we look at what we don't know and we trust those things instead of the man who is walking on the waves in front of us, calling us to come to him. You cannot distrust the Lord. You cannot doubt him. You guys have to understand that doubt is not fear, right? Doubt is not fear. You talk to anybody that's your hero. If it's sports, did they ever feel fear over a big game? Hell yeah, they did. Did they ever feel fear? When running out into gunfire to save somebody else. Yeah. Of course they did. Maybe not a lot. But it's there. People feel fear. That's what we do. We're vulnerable to it. It happens. But doubt is not fear. Doubt is faith in the wrong thing. Even feeling afraid isn't bad. It's okay to be afraid. And some things should actually scare us. That means that we care enough about the outcome and our performance and what we're doing to have fear over screwing it up or missing out or doing the wrong thing. Okay, so fear is not bad. It's reasonable. It makes sense. Okay, but doubt, doubt is where we go wrong. And you don't doubt the Lord because you're afraid. You don't. It's, it's not because of things happening in your life right now that you're doubting the Lord. It's not because of what you feel that you're doubting. It's not because of what someone did to you or what you don't have or what you don't know or what you don't see. It's none of that. You don't doubt the Lord because you're afraid. You doubt the Lord because your faith is small. You doubt the Lord because your faith is small. Now with all of this, again, talking about this lesson that I learned and what is for me the epitome of the hard way. This is where I want to focus. This is what I want you to pay attention to. You have to believe that you are forgiven. That you are redeemed. Once you believe in and you trust the Lord. You have to believe that you're a new creature. That you've been made new. That your sin has been atoned for. You have to believe that. And I'm not saying that you should never have fear. I'm not saying that you shouldn't question. What I'm saying is that you need to believe. He gave his life for you. He shed his blood. He rose again. The God of the universe came in the form of a man and paid the price for you. And once you believe that, in faith, receiving that, You are changed and you are forgiven. And you have to believe that. You cannot leave doubt about this at all in your mind. Not a single doubt. There can be no doubt that goes unchecked. Any doubt that comes up about you being forgiven. About you being redeemed. About you being a new creature. About your sins being atoned for. Any doubt. Whatsoever in regard to your salvation has to be immediately, forcefully, violently called out, confronted, and put into its place. Now when I'm talking about being put into its place, sometimes my daughter doesn't want to listen to what I'm saying. And it's not because she's being disobedient. It's not because she's trying to be disrespectful. It's because we've raised her so she knows that she actually has a voice, that she has a say, that what she's doing is important. And when I was doing ninja class, she wanted to start volunteering and helping coach the classes for the younger kids. And so one of the other coaches gave her a volunteer shirt and she's out there with us. And now there was a moment where we would cycle all the kids through the obstacle course at the end of class. So they do the entire thing after we've done our drills, after we've done our PT. And this one particular time, these kids are starting up on these blocks. We've got this giant rope. They're going to grab on it. They're going to swing over like eight feet of space, land on another block, and then start running through the rest of the course. And one kid was going and we always offset them right? I wait for the kid in front to get to a certain point before I send the next kid through so we don't have any traffic jams and the faster kids aren't waiting for the slower kids and whatever. And Amara, my daughter, I said, all right, send the next kid through. And she said, no, I'm going to wait. I'm like, no, baby, just send him through. And she's like, well, dad. And I interrupted her because in that moment, I'm the head coach. This is my program. This is my gym. When I say to send another kid through, it's because I know what I'm doing. So just do it. So I said, baby, trust me, just send the other kid through. And then she did it. And after class, we had to talk about it and why. And that when I'm saying to do something like that, if she has a question to ask it, but to just trust me that I see what's going on and I'm just telling her what to do to keep the class moving. I had to put her in her place, right? We have to do the same thing with any thought of doubt about our salvation, about who God is and what he has done for us and what he says about us once we believe. We have to put it into its place. It doesn't matter how real it feels. It doesn't matter how reasonable it feels. It doesn't matter how much justification there is. It doesn't matter how much it aligns with your past. It doesn't matter how true it seems to be. It doesn't matter. Once you have believed, you are forgiven. You are redeemed. You are saved. Period. That is what God says. And any thought questioning that is coming from the enemy. It is a demonic thought that's charged to trip you up and to create space between you and God, not bring you closer to him and not bring you closer to who you're made to be. Period. We control our thoughts. We've talked about it so many times on this podcast. You choose what you do. You control what you think. And the thoughts that you let in, they shape you. So even if you are saved in eternity, if you doubt God here, you are creating for yourself a life of misery and torment because you're going to be living... In two different realities, in the psychotic space, the schizophrenic fractured mind space, where in your spirit, in your soul, you know that you're forgiven, but you also believe that you're not. And that is a type of hell. You have to wage war against doubt and disbelief when it comes in regard to your salvation and what God says about you any disbelief, any doubt. You need to fight it the same way you would fight to protect your child. You need to fight it the same way that you argue with somebody about getting your piece of something. You need to fight it the same way that you might fight with your spouse about being quiet because you're trying to sleep because you got to be up in the morning. You have to apply that same level of boundaries no, you, you are not welcome here. I don't care how much evidence you have. I don't care how reasonable this is. Because of what God says, because I am saved through faith by the grace of Jesus, I am a new person. I am not who I used to be. My life is changed. There has to be a boundary there where you do not tolerate any level of doubting Jesus. And now here's what happens when you doubt that you're forgiven, when you doubt your salvation because of your own little excuses. Oh yeah, like he says I'm forgiven, but what about this sin? What about this attitude? What about this behavior I'm still struggling with? You're going to justify yourself into hanging from a noose by your own hand. This is what happens. You curse yourself to live life from brokenness. Not from power. You cast off the grace and the power given to you to grow. Now it's God's grace that actually protects you and gives you the power to change. That's God's grace. It's God's grace that gives you permission to be who you were made to be. But when you doubt it, When you doubt that you're saved, you take that grace off of your shoulders and you try to do life without it. You try to do life without the power to actually do life. The next thing that happens when you doubt your salvation, when you doubt what the Lord says, you expose yourself to the darkness and to the demonic where God can't help you. Again, he can help you in eternity. But you're responsible for your own choices and your own thoughts. He can't make you think or do anything. And when you doubt him, you doubt his blood, you doubt the power of faith. You're inviting the demonic and the accusations and the torment and the arrows of the enemy. And you don't have a shield. Now, when I say that I learned this lesson the hard way, I did. I didn't just doubt salvation. I just didn't. I, I didn't just doubt that I was forgiven. I didn't just doubt. I refused to take his hand, thinking that I had to do it on my own. Like Peter went into the water. He cried out to the Lord for help. I went down into the water. I started seeing these things around me, these things in my past, these things that made sense. And I started to sink into the waves and I cried out for help. And when his hand came, I refused it because I thought I had to do it on my own. I believed his mercy up into a point, and then I believed that the rest of redemption was up to me. I had to make it right on my own. And I opened myself up to a level of darkness and pain and failure and letdown that I did not have to go through the next thing that happens when you doubt your salvation, you end up living habitually in the same sin and poor decisions and the crappy lifestyle that's already tormenting you that you're looking for help to get out of. You just keep doing it over and over and over again because that power to change, that grace of God isn't there because you've refused it Because you don't believe, because you're doubting, and because you're trying to do it on your own. You just stay stuck in the same place and you're tormented knowing you should be somewhere else. Not being able to get there because of your doubt. And when you end up thinking that you're the only one that can make it right, you don't believe his salvation. You have to save yourself, right? You shoot yourself in the foot and you ruin your own life and the opportunities given to you. By trying to atone for your sin in a way that God would probably not have you do it. Our confidence has to be in the cross. not, Not in me. My confidence doesn't come from Greg. The foundation of my confidence comes from knowing that God is with me. That he loves me and his hand is on me for the good. That I am irreplaceable to him. All throughout the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. It is repeated in these parables that the, about gnashing teeth. Where the pain is so bad that you can't even scream out. You're just grinding your teeth because it's so miserable. But our confidence has to be in the cross. You cannot believe. Yes, I'm saved, but... Insert, excuse, whatever. It has to be, I'm saved despite, insert, thing. For me, I believed, yeah, I'm saved, but I also have these things in my past. I'm saved, but I also struggle with these areas. I'm saved, but I'm still doing this or this or that. What I didn't do, what I should have done was, I am saved despite my past. I'm redeemed despite my struggles. I am righteous despite still making mistakes and screwing up. And I want to make sure it's clear. Again, the main reason I changed and have been able to do with my life what I have done Is because I gave my life to Jesus and was am born again. So I was saved. I'm redeemed for all eternity. But I held myself back. I shot myself in the foot. I ruined opportunities in my life. I ruined relationships in my life because I didn't believe. Now I'm not trying to lie. Or to sell you all short. Which is why I'm talking about this. Now you should pray. You should pray for help. You should pray to be stronger. If you guys listen to our episode with Drew. We should pray to not be hypocrites. We should pray to know that we're redeemed. To experience his love. To know that we're loved. Especially if because of parental issues and letdowns from our families. We... Have a really hard time understanding how someone can love us this much. We should pray for those things. In addition to praying for those things. We should have a prayer that is not asking but thanking. So Lord, help me to not be a hypocrite. And thank you for my integrity. We should pray for these things. We should thank God. God, that we are these things, that these things are already inside of us, and that we need to go do something that looks as if that prayer was already answered. Pray for it. Thank him that it is real. It's already here. And then do something as if it was complete, as if it was 100% your reality. You want to be stronger in your faith? Pray for strength. Thank God that you have strength because you're made in his image and then go do something that only a strong person would do. You have to be strong in your faith. Now I'm going to leave you guys with this. This comes out of Mark chapter 9. There's a boy who is tormented by a demon. And they called Jesus for help. And Jesus asks the boy's father, how long has he been like this? And the father says, from childhood, it has often thrown him into the fire or water and tried to kill him. And the father says, but if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And Jesus says, if I can, if I can, he says, everything is possible for the one who believes. And immediately the father proclaimed his faith. And he said, Help me overcome my belief. Stop approaching your faith, your salvation, your redemption, your path on righteousness with this, well, Lord, if you can attitude. It's weak. And God does not like it. He doesn't reward that because that's not faith, that's doubt. If you can, really you believe that he created the world you believe that he created man and woman you believe that he is omnipotent omnipotent you believe that he is eternal he's outside of time you believe that he can save people in eternity and forgive them but in this life with these things well if you can it's time for that to stop Make your faith strong. We'll talk to you nerds later.